welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. That was, that was good. That's good. <laughs> um, Let's hear yours. All right. Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. Pretty good. Yeah. Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. That was a little hickey. A little hickey? A little, red, a little too much? A little redneck. A little, a little too much? Well, because he's not, you know, he's, a, he's smart. He's from Texas. He's a smart guy. He's a, Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. That was good. A little spontaneous. Was that, was that closer? That was, a little, yeah. little bit. <laughs> Welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. Well, that was kind of like the last one I did. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, it's, that, that's good enough. In case you guys hadn't guessed by now, the movie we're going to review this time is Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. Which is up for several Oscars, including Best Picture and and rather famously Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, um, and it's the story of uh, Ron Woodruff, who is a real life electrician and hustler, as they describe him uh, in the film. Mm-hmm. He develops the HIV virus in the mid '80s, and he decides that he's not going to go out with out a fight. And while he's not getting the answers he needs from his doctors, he decides that he's going to start illegally importing medicine from other countries, Mexico namely, and then selling the medication in the States so that he can get the drugs and also the people he knows can get the drugs and he can make a fair amount of money as well. Yeah. yeah, and so the um, the main players in the film is, of course, Matthew McConaughey playing Ron Woodruff. And there is Jared Leto playing Rayon, who is Rayon, Rayon his uh, his sort of right hand man. I guess they're not exactly business partners. Yeah, yeah, they're they have a very interesting relationship. If you'll see the film, yeah, um, yeah. but they're, they're kind of. I wouldn't go as so far as to say they were friends, but BFFs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they weren't exactly you know pals going out and hitting the bars together, although when they do, it's usually to serve uh, a business purpose. Yes. Um, and then rounding out this sort of uh, the main trio of actors is Jennifer Garner as Ron Woodruff and Rayon's doctor. And I think Jennifer Garner provides sort of like the feeling of normalcy that you would need to sort of <laughs> have the movie grounded. Uh, yeah, grounds. It, she grounds at least film, a, yeah. At least a little bit. So she's a very kind of... Um, Sort of wholesome and, um, you know, stable for stable, yeah. The voice of reason, perhaps a reasonable voice, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And then also in a supporting role, uh, Dennis O'Hare, who plays Dennis O'Hare, yeah. He's he's um, Jennifer Garner's superior, and he does a I think a fantastic job of playing a doctor kind of stymied by bureaucracy, kind yeah, of um, you know towing the line and uh, and sort of being an obstacle for. Uh, for Mr. Woodruff in his in his goal, which is to get drugs, live longer, and then promote his Dallas Buyers Club. Yes, that was good. That one was good. Well, I didn't think about it. That's why I just, just <laughs> yeah, came it's out. just off the cuff. Yeah, off the cuff. Yeah, and uh, um, Steve Zahn in a supporting role. That's right. As well, very small supporting role. Steve Zahn as a as a policeman who develops some sympathy for uh, for Woodruff's plight. Yes. Um, I I'll go ahead and say I actually like the movie a lot. Um, yeah. It's one of my favorites of the year now. Um, nice. It's up there. That and I mean we've seen almost every film nominated so far. I would say Dallas Buyers Club is up there with Wolf of Wall Street as two of my favorites 
um, if not my of, of those that are nominated, or of the year even, or um, just period. Yeah, period right? uh, for two, for twenty thirteen. Um, they're they're definitely up there. Um, I but the thing about Dallas Buyers Club is unlike Wolf of Wall Street, I'm I'm not going to see it again. I don't think because I think I I sort of got what I needed the first time. Yeah, um, I understand. Like uh, Wolf of Wall Street, there's a lot to get from that movie. The more you watch it, without a doubt. Um, what I loved about Dallas Buyers Club was how it's a story about sort of everyday characters in a life and death struggle, which uh, one movie that comes to mind that is sort of similar in its impact on me was 21 Grams. Um, oh, yeah. Both of those movies deal with drug use and also illness, and but they, they happen to people who exist within the world as we know it. Um, yeah. They're not sort of like they may be a larger than life character in the case of Matthew McConaughey, but they're still, you know, people who have real jobs, people who have real reactions to adversity. They're not, you know, ironic sort of, you know, concoctions, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. I know, I'm, I know, Andrew, you've, you mentioned about um, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou is that you felt that the characters <laughs> uh, were were sort of not so much characters as they were just like ironic um I don't know. Ironically detached caricatures. Caricatures, that's it. So yeah. um, Dallas Buyers Club, the acting is superlative, especially Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey. And it's sort of, it's inc- the most incredibly compelling kind of um, realistic storytelling that that I have seen all year, really. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 an extraordinarily compelling story too. I I knew vaguely of the buyers clubs, like I was aware of sort of the fight against AZT as you know the sort of poison uh, that that was being you know was the only thing basically that the FDA would approve uh, to help fight AIDS um, in the eighties. And, Were you aware of it uh, during the eighties? No, 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 no. Oh. oh God, no, not absolutely not. Uh, not until much later. And uh, and I, I was aware of, of that sort of battle that was going on, and I was aware that there were things called buyers clubs uh, that involved getting, you know, more more effective medications to people. Mm-hmm. But I had no idea the sort of depth and breadth of it of the of what it was. So the, the story itself, the idea of, of uh, Matthew McConaughey's character doing this and the fact that it was sort of simultaneously happening all over the country mm-hmm. with other people. So all these people sort of independently went around the FDA's back and, uh, and got the treatment that they, that they needed. Right. Uh, is a fascinating story. It's a great, it's a great, wonderful story and a, a great sort of, you know, <laughs> humanist, uh, you know, Kafka-esque, like, man versus the bureaucracy Right, kind of with some Robin Hood story. elements in there, too, you know? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's really great. It's really great, compelling stuff. I think the uh, uh, the catchphrase of the film is, it takes a hustler to change the world. Yeah. I yeah. believe, and um, that's sort of... That, that sentiment rings true in the film, for sure, because cause Ron Woodruff is this... You know, you might want to... You could call him amoral in some ways, because he's, like... A drug abuser. He's a lecherous hedonist of all kinds and hard living, hard partying kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but he has the cojones to actually attempt something like this. 
And um, one thing that I wasn't too clear about from the film is is exactly what was the scope, what was the reach of his Dallas Buyers Club, you know? I think it was regional. I think at a couple points in the film they mentioned there being, you know, ones in Miami and ones in Sacramento and, you know, like all over the country basically. So I think the the idea is that it they sort of reach as far as they can go until somebody else picks up the – the slack and fills in the gaps. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I wasn't sure if the, the ones that popped up in California and other States, if they were directly, you know, influenced by Woodruff or were they just kind of, you know, like the bow and arrow popped up in both the European and American continents right. at the same time <laughs> right, with right, no right. Con- communication. But, um, but I guess the, the film isn't so much about the, you know, the success story of the, the DBC, which is mm-hmm. as it you know it shouldn't be that like and I think that a lot of times American movies in particular, when they're about some kind of a an arrangement of some sort like Field of Dreams, you know if there's if there's some kind of a a ploy or a scheme that the the, the main characters are undertaking and it takes off, then the film becomes about the success the success story you know like the classic American right. story right. of starting your own business and getting rich basically and. And the point is not to get rich, of course. It's to stay alive and help others stay alive. Um, right. So I, I did enjoy that. There was one point when he gets the club going and he's moved into uh, Rayon's apartment, I guess it is. It looks like it's a motel. Um, yep. But there's wherever Rayon is living, that's where they set up shop. And for, for a while there, it's kind of like, okay, they've started the club. You know, this is this movie is called Dallas Buyers Club. They've achieved yeah. their goal. They're set up. They're they're doing business. And I kind of I felt at that point like, where do we build from here? You know, and there was a there was some time where it's like, it, I didn't feel like the story was was continuing to build at that point. It seemed like it almost plateaued yeah. a little bit. Uh, I I I never quite felt that way about the film. I felt like. I felt like the uh, the formation of the Dallas Buyers Club or the the uh, actual inception of it was almost incidental. I mean, like the fact that it happened was kind of inevitable, <clears throat> based if nothing else on the title of the film. Um, but I think that uh, I think that it was it was that that sort of set up the showdown, mm. which was the sort of central conflict in the film which was the showdown between them and the fda right um the kind of standoff uh between law enforcement and uh you know presumably big pharma who are sort of like pulling the strings behind the scenes mm-hmm. to make sure that only the drugs that they are selling are the ones that are approved for people to buy right uh you know that you never really see the face of that but that's kind of the what is driving the narrative forward. And, and so after they've set up the, the buyer's club and they're, they're selling out of their, you know, this, this motel, Mm -hmm. then the rest of the action concerns the sort of next level of, of conflict. Um, you know, they've gotten the hard work out of the way and then it becomes a story about them fighting the system. Essentially. Yeah. I think the, the thing that sort of I felt was, was absent was just as he said that when the, the, 
club has been formed, it, it's the system that they're fighting, and it's no longer like a ground level conflict as it has been. Yeah, yeah. Where he's not at war with with people so much as as like you said, the system is moving, and the FDA is gathering you know their ammunition for the showdown, and so yep. the um, the showdown basically is something that is a little bit uh, large and abstract compared with Ron Woodruff having to actually uh, fight bigotry, literally fight bigotry among his buddies at the bar. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, I, and yeah, and it's good that you bring that up because I think that that's sort of the, the, the twofold aim of the film maybe mm-hmm. um, is to show the transition that Woodruff himself has. He starts out as a bigot himself and, and uh, heavily prejudiced against gay people. Um, he, as many other people in the eighties saw this as a gay disease mm as something that, you know, was sort of God's punishment for their sins against uh, his will. Yeah, it's probably something Jerry Falwell would say. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> or would have said, uh, but not or anymore. Or probably did say yeah. many times. Um, and, and, and so he, he, it's, it's about his personal transformation as well as, as his sort of transformative actions mm-hmm. uh, external from himself. And I think that that, you know, I mean, like in the beginning of the film, he treats Rayon very poorly. Right. Uh, treats him adversarially and, and kind of, you know, tells him to get away. Rayon, of course, being very compassionate and uh, loving doesn't let that really perturb him or bother him. Deter him, even. Or deter him, yeah. And uh, and so this, like, you know, sort of unlikely friendship forms... Uh, based on the fact that, that Woodruff comes around and realizes that they're, they're fighting for the same thing. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very compelling film and the performances are great. Uh, Jared Leto's going to win the Oscar. I don't think anybody thinks otherwise. Uh, I think he's, he's a lock to win best supporting actor. I never like it when that's the case, (laughs) but it's hard to make a case for the other nominees over him. You know, so I think that, He's he's so spare in the film. He, I think he only he seems to only have maybe ten or fifteen minutes of screen time. I mean, he's. I don't, yeah. I'm not saying that's a, you know that he didn't doesn't deserve to win. I'm just saying the opposite. I think that um, he makes such an impression, um, yeah. and and most of the time he's not. Well, maybe not most of the time, but oftentimes he is sort of populating the the mise en scène of the of the shot. And he's yeah. not even the focus of the shot. He's not even getting a close-up, which is what the actors, you know, lap up. That's when they really reveal their chops, right? But, yeah. but he is so he inhabits Rayon so fully and so powerfully that just kind of like hanging around in the background and spouting a few lines, you're totally you're drawn to him. You're, you're like you you as the viewer, you're you're totally drawn to his I, character. Yeah. Like whenever he's around, you're totally. I mean, I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. Yeah, and it, and very very reassuring and very good to know that Jared Leto, after having not made a film for seven years, yeah, was able to come back into the the fold and do work like this. Because obviously, like he's done great work before, and those of us who were big fans of him early on when he was making films like Requiem for a Dream, mm-hmm. it's clear that he's got the the talent and the capability. Um, but then he just disappeared for a long time. You know, he focused on his music. He was, he's in a band called 30 Seconds to Mars. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead singer of that band, in fact. Yeah. 
and and so he's been doing that for quite a while and and I think a lot of people just sort of thought he would never come back to acting and so this is a pretty great way to do it. <laughs> okay, so we agree that Jared Leto is a very strong contender for supporting actor. What do you think? I would go so far as to say a lock. <laughs> okay, fine. I would say he's, right, fine. he's a lock. Andrew says he's a lock. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. I mean, I'm trying to think like who else would stand a chance, and I can't really think of anybody. It's not gonna, not this year, not this year. Sad, sadly, as I said, I hate it when this happens because it, it makes the race less inter- interesting. But uh, I think that the, I think he's got it. Well, what do you think about Matthew McConaughey as best actor? Well, this this is a a tough. A tough situation for me because I a couple of things. First of all, we've mentioned this before in in, in one, one or two of our previous podcasts about this awards season. Best actor this year is a fascinating category. Yes, because it they're always good. I've I've always been of the opinion that consistently at the Academy Awards, the best category is Best Supporting Actress. It's almost always the most interesting category. It's almost always got the best performances in it. Uh It's almost always the hardest to decide. This year, Best Actor takes that. And that's almost never the case. Like, Best Actor is usually you're kind of like, oh, yeah, those five guys. Mm -hmm. Durr. And and that's kind of the case here, but they're all such great, great, (laughs) great, interesting and different performances. Right, yeah. And and so Matthew McConaughey, I think I think he has the momentum. I think that he's been winning a lot of end of end of the year awards and I think that he is he's got the momentum. Uh the film is a, you know, it's about a, a an issue that I think that a lot of uh academy voters uh will vote with their hearts uh mm-hmm. you know, based based on the content of, of the film itself. And uh in addition I think I think that he he deserves it. I, I think for this film he's great in this film. Yeah. Now the the conflict that I have internally is that, uh, and we'll get into this when we talk in our Oscar podcast. But my favorite film of the year is Mud, which also had Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey in. I didn't know that was your number one favorite. Oh yeah, that's film my number year. one favorite film of the year. Yeah, it's a great movie. I've, I've thought about this a lot, and I, I think it's my favorite film of the year. And I think that his performance in Mud is more impressive in a lot of ways than his performance in this film. Mm. Um, despite the fact that for this film, he lost an incredible amount of weight. Yeah. Uh, like d- did a, a true physical transformation to, to really become this character and inhabit this character. And I think that he does that. Right. And then some, uh, but mud as a film, I like so much that, it, you know, I look at this and I'm like, well, if he's going to win, I wish he'd win for something that, that, that I think is a little, uh, you know, less conventional for, for like an award. Sure. Season run. But, you know, um, I kind of think that roles like Mud and also Bruce Dern in Nebraska, the kind of roles where you may not see the same kind of character arc or you may not see the those those tearful emotional moments that the Oscars love. Those yeah. kind of roles where you where the character is just like being inhabited by the actor, those tens of uh, performances tend to do well at like can, I think. Yes, like yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know, like Javier Bardem in Beautiful a couple of years ago. Um, right. That's a role where he really just kind of lived in the skin of that character, and he never had the the moment where he, you know, tearfully championed the cause of the film or what have you. But yeah, but yeah. So I, I was a big fan of Mud also, and I can see why you would say that about his performance. 
in that film. But I, I will go ahead and say I think that Matthew McConaughey is a lock for Best Actor. I will, I, I will put that out right there. I, I'll, I won't go quite so far as to say a lock, but I'll say that he's definitely the odds-on favorite. Um, I just, you know, there's there's so many good Best Actor performances this year that it's it's hard to mm-hmm. to narrow that down. You know, the only one that I think comes close, I mean, meaning that, that the Academy would award the the performance, not that the performance comes close, but I kind of yeah. feel like if it's not going to be Matthew McConaughey, that it would be Mr. Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, he's, yeah. he's, he's had a lot of chances and come home empty-handed, and I think the Academy, you know, um, knows that. Whether it, that's going to influence them, not sure, but... It's a great performance, that's for sure. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, that's that's interesting. I, I think that that may be the case. I, it's such a hard, it's such a hard category. I think, I think Bruce Dern, who had some of the early, you know, momentum, I think is is almost completely out of the picture. As is Nebraska in pretty much all categories, categories yeah. which makes me incredibly sad well but, uh, I, I think jennifer lawrence is a lock for best supporting actress but if not i, I think june not. june squibb i think stands a good chance for nebraska that would be interesting that would be interesting anyway we, we don't want to get too far into the <laughs> the oscar race when we're just talking about dallas buyers club but uh but it, it's an interesting it's an interesting sort of way that it all kind of falls out this year uh but as far as uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I have a question for you, Phil. Oh, what what did you think of how the film was directed? I mean, I think the, the we were just talking about the director before we started, um, Jean Marc Vallée, uh, Canadian director, who's who's directed a couple of films, not a whole lot. Um, I'm curious as to what you think. I think it's clear that he's got very much capacity with actors. He's got a lot of facility with them. He's able to get good performances. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, tell me what you Well, think. I was very pleased with how the film was directed overall, I would say. I think yeah. that that the director, Mr. Vallée, has a wonderful eye for that type of community that Ron Woodruff surrounded himself with. Um, wow. I really also did like the way he used handheld camera um, a lot of the time to sort of add to the, the realism of the, of, of the scenes. Yeah. And I thought that he, his facility with actors was good, and he also had a good facility with what I thought was um, Americans. Um, um, Americans, yeah. Americans from a particular region and economic class. I thought he... And time, you know, too. I thought he had a great sense for that time. I, fe- I felt like the entire movie was the 80s without screaming... 80s mm-hmm. you know it, it wasn't you know it was everybody didn't have their hair frizzed out with their shoulder pads on and their you know uh like brightly colored uh leather jackets like you know miami vice shades <laughs> yeah. and sport coat <laughs> yeah no it was it was very uh it felt like the 80s you know yeah and i think that jean-marc Vallée also was really good at at the kind of unsentimental aspects of the story too. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a really gritty movie. And, um, I don't think that, I mean, 
sure you could say that Juan Woodruff emerged the winner um, because of his own struggle, but not necessarily. That's not something that they're, they're cramming down our throats. Yeah. Um, I thought that the way that Veli handled the the ugliness of their situation, not just the disease, but also the prejudice, um, yep. and then the the ugliness of the law cracking down on them. It's it's an ugly. It really is an ugly film. But at the same time, I thought that it was beautifully done and and performed, and I found it to be a fairly entertaining watch. Actually, it was not really that hard to watch, even though there was so much abject misery being portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found something very curious at the end of the film. I didn't find myself as emotionally moved as I thought I was going to be, I guess. And I don't know if that's because the content of it is, is a little more sort of, it's a little less emotional. I mean, like Woodruff's actions and his, his sort of goal in the film isn't sort of tied to a like a deep emotional, uh, root or need like it, it becomes more a uh, something he feels he has to do mm-hmm. you know something that he feels is a service and I, I think that becomes uh, uh, I don't think that that they take a lot of time uh, dwelling in like the emotional world of Ron Woodruff does, does that make sense yeah I totally understand and um, I found myself thinking of another movie that's quite different but in a way, it fits my comparison, which is Schindler's List, because yeah. in that film you've got a raconteur. You know, mm-hmm. Oscar Schindler isn't—I wouldn't exactly call him a hustler, but he's—he's he's kind of a, a player. Um, he hustles the Nazis pretty. <laughs> all right, fine. Pretty well. Okay. <laughs> so he is a hustler, um, but by the end of the film, he is thinking that he hasn't done enough, and his altruism is really shining through. Yes. Um, in the case of Dallas Buyers Club, it's almost like what we're supposed to be moved by is the fact that Woodruff gets a standing ovation from his team uh, yeah. when he when he, when it sort of looks like the end may be near. Um, I found I was much more moved. I mean, now that you bring it up, I was much more moved in let's say the first half of the film when we're when we're sort of lo- yeah. learning about Woodruff and his vulnerability when he tries to be so tough. And then when he actually starts the club, and then it it has to kind of fold. I I understand your, what you're saying, and I was near the 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 conclusion of the film. I was also asking myself, "Am I going to get emotional here? Am I going to start to get tearing up or anything?" Yeah. And that didn't exactly happen. But you know what? I thought it, I still liked the way that the story was handled, even if it was a little bit more brainy than emotional. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and and I do think that this is one of the the best films of the year, without question. I think it's it's a really compelling story, um, but I I I think I'm I err on the same side that you. Uh, I don't know if "err" is the right word for that, but I I feel similarly to how you feel about it. I I don't know that I'm going to return to the film. I, I may just to watch the performances, just to watch Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey sort of, you know, turn in really great performances. But I don't think that I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna seek it out again. Yeah, uh, I, I can tell you right now I'm I'm definitely not going to see it again. I <laughs> I, I feel like I, I sort of got what I needed from it and 
I, I, there's nothing that I feel like I missed or need to see again. And that's and sometimes I see movies that way, and it's like I have movies that I really love because I can watch them multiple times, and then there's other movies where sort of like the the juice from the orange has been squeezed, and it's time to discard the rind. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so if you like orange yeah, juice. I, <laughs> if you like orange juice. So I I recommend the film. I think it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, if you want to be current with this year's Oscars, definitely see it because it's it's going to win at least one, if not two, acting awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's 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 a super compelling story. Just just great, fascinating film to watch. Like to, just to watch it develop is really fascinating. Uh, so so go check yeah. it out. I say. Buy into it. The Buy Dallas into Buyers the Club. Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> Welcome to Dallas Buyers Club. Welcome to Dallas name's, Buyers Club. My name's Mud. <laughs> <laughs> um, join us next time around when we're going to be talking about Gravity, the outer space spectacular by Alfonso Cuaron with Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. Also nominated for a, just a ton of Oscars, so yeah, ten, ten, 10 Oscars. Yeah, that's I think lot. the only thing it's not not it's not nominated for is um, best song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's what we'll be talking about next time. We do hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening to In the Queue. You can find us at www.in the dash Q. That's the letter Q dot com. That's our blog and where we uh, sort of host our podcast. We'll be up on iTunes soon, so check us there as yes. well. Yes. <coughs> All right, you guys. Have a good one. And remember, welcome to the Dallas Buyers Club. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs>